How many are already getting the word this morning? Are you? All right, man, let's, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to get into your word. Lord, to get into what I believe will prayerfully be a paradigm-shifting word. That it looks at our mindsets and adjusts those things. We want to approach all things in life according to the word of God. Amen? So, Lord, I pray that as we approach your word this morning, as we approach the topic of discussion, we would do so with your word in mind, with Scripture at the forefront, Lord, with the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How many know that right now we're in the middle of the series called Back to Basics? If you have the slide up there, please go to the Back to Basics slide. Don't go to the next one until I, until I ask you to. Uh, we're in the middle of the series, but you know, how many know that a lot of times when I do a series, sometimes uh, I get interrupted with, with guest speakers or certain holidays, things like that happen. And so the series we're currently in is called Back to Basics. I hope you're enjoying hearing it as much as I am preaching it because I really do enjoy it. But for today, we're going to take a step away from the series to address the holiday that we find ourselves landing on. So how many think I'm going to preach on Halloween today? How many think I am? Go to the next slide, if you would. Yeah, you're right. It's, what else would I be preaching on? It's Halloween, right? That's, this, is, this is what it is, right? So of those of you who raised your hand, good job. Today is Halloween. Uh, to be honest with you, at the beginning of this week, it wasn't what I thought I'd be preaching on. I was, I was going to continue in the Back to Basics series. We're going to get into Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, died on a cross, rose again. We're going to get into all of that coming up in the series. But with so many things in life, how many know we plan and God laughs? Right? We plan, God laughs, and go, no, no, no. And so as I'm preparing one set of uh, sermon notes, I'm also in my, in, I'm praying about it and going back and forth, and I'm like, man, what, what's, what should I preach on? This is the first Sunday that I've been here as the pastor that Halloween has fallen on a Sunday. It's an interesting thing. We as a church, how many know, are made up of a wide variety of personal experiences and beliefs. So depending on your church, depending on your family background, you look at this calendar date with either a sense of glee or a sense of dread. There's not too many that are indifferent. There's some people who are indifferent. Let me share, about I shared about this about six years ago, about my experiences with Halloween and really anything associated with it growing up. So my family did not participate in Halloween. Um... We had to leave our school for the day if there was a Halloween party at the school. And so I don't think they even do those anymore, right? They do like a harvest festival or they'll do a, something of that. So how many, how many know? What are they, do they do a Halloween party at the schools anymore? Depends on the school. Okay. So uh, how, many, how many watched Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin? Right? Some people watched that. We never watched that. We didn't care. We waited for Charlie Brown Thanksgiving or the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. That's what we waited for, right? So here's what would happen. On Halloween night, we would turn off our lights at our house so that no trick-or-treaters would come to our house, right? And so what would happen is uh, usually we got teepeed or egged or, you know, some, something along those lines. But here's what, here's what we would do. Halloween for me was actually always a very special time 
And the reason is, I grew up in a family with nine kids. So I'm one of nine, I know. It's, it's a lot, right? So one of nine kids, and we didn't have a ton of money, and usually we ate, we ate at home for most every meal. And so Halloween, because we didn't do Halloween, my parents would turn all the lights off, and then we'd all go to a restaurant. And it was maybe one of the few times a year that we would get to go to a restaurant. And so I remember, like, getting in the car. Of course, by the time it's dinner time, I say dinner. I, I mean 6 p.m. Like, you people call it supper. I don't know. It's dinner. I'm not going to get into this right now. Uh, <laughs> this is not a gospel issue, so I'm not going to, yeah, uh, whatever you want to call it. For us, it was dinner time. Uh, we would get in the car. We'd get in the station wagon. How many ever had a station wagon where you had to sit backwards? Uh, my brothers and I would sit backwards, and we'd be looking at the kids trick-or-treating, and we'd be going to the restaurant. And that excited us. As we got a little bit older, my brother and I really wanted to, we really wanted that candy. Really. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? We wanted that candy. So here's what we would do. At church, the church we would go to, they didn't refer to it as Halloween. They referred to it as Hallelujah Night. Everybody can roll their eyes collectively. Yeah, they called it Hallelujah Night. So kids would get in costume, usually, you know, Bible characters. Uh, David with a sling, Noah with the animals, an angel. Uh, something from pop culture. We didn't, you know, encourage demons or anything that would represent evil, things like that. And so they played games, they got candy, had a lot of fun. My brother and I get older, and after we would do that, we would come home, and my brother and I would take out the trash. So what that meant was we would have to take the trash to the corner and uh, we would grab our newspaper bags because we were newspaper boys. We'd take the newspaper out, throw it at people. You know, that's, that's what our thing was. So we would grab our newspaper bags and then we would run as fast as we could from house to house and get candy from the neighbors. And so we'd drop the trash bag off, start just booking it. Ding dong. Yeah, yeah, I'm a newspaper boy. Give me the candy. All right? Because they always ask, oh, what are you? All right? So, ding dong, here it is. We get the candy. For us, man, it was fun. We, we'd rush back home. My parents, I don't know. They must have just thought it took an extra long time to take out the trash or something like that. But we'd rush home and have all this candy. And for us, it was Halloween. It was fun, and it was spooky, and it was exhilarating, right? So that was my experience with Halloween growing up. For some of you, you had totally different experiences. Whatever your Halloween was, whatever the experience was growing up, as we get older and have, as we have kids of our own, as we really look at what we celebrate and why, we will at some point come up against this. Should Christians or Christ followers celebrate Halloween? Now, the truth is I know a lot of pastors who will not give you a real answer on this. If you ask the pastor this, uh, they'll say, well, that, you know, that's between you and the Lord. Let me tell you the truth. I've used that answer. That is a cop-out answer. All right? It really is. I mean, Tim, how many times have we, uh, well, you know, that's between you and the Lord. And in the back of our minds, we're going, oh, my gosh, what are you thinking? Right? Because that's what is more and more, I find that that's a way of avoiding theological headaches. It really is. So I know some pastors and Christians who don't care at all. For them, it's a Halloween free-for-all, right? And then there's some who are very certain, and I've seen this, I've heard it, I've been told this, I've, 
very certain that no Christian anywhere should celebrate Halloween in any way. And if you do celebrate in any way, even if you just decorate for the harvest season at your house, you are inviting demons into your home. Yeah. Two views on a wide spectrum, right? Now, let me say that I believe that both of those views are out of balance. I do believe that those are out of balance. I don't believe Halloween should be a free-for-all. And I don't believe that demons are invited into your home because of a Star Wars costume or Paw Patrol or whatever they're doing nowadays. To be real transparent with you, as an adult, I really only think of Halloween in terms of the after Halloween candy sales. That's right, Tim? Yeah, that's about right. I mean, that's all we're thinking about, right? Oh, there's going to be a lot of candy on sale tomorrow, and we're going to be on the ball. Amen? Dollar store, hallelujah. But in, listen, the thing is this, in studying this subject out fully, I have a new take on it. I had a discussion just last week with someone who talked about this and talked about Halloween. He talked about it being a slippery slope, right? And I would agree that in all areas of life and in celebrating most holidays in general, how many know we teeter on the edge of a slippery slope? We do. We talk about uh, I mean, really, if we take our freedoms too far, we end up in trouble, right? How many know if we hide ourselves from every aspect of the world that we live in, we stop ourselves from being a light in this world? So there's two very different ways you can go on it. We don't want to stop ourselves from being a light in the darkness, and we also don't want to have so much freedom that we're getting in trouble. Let's take a look this morning in Ephesians. And go, it's, it's about 10 verses, so I want you to stay with me. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 18. It says this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. By all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, how many know we want to be filled with the Spirit this morning? I think it's time this morning for us to expose in the church what Halloween is and what it's not. What is it and what it's not? How many know the origins of Halloween? Just raise your hand if you happen to know the origins of Halloween. Many Christians believe that what we call Halloween, and this is where we may shift some paradigms this morning. Many Christians believe that what we call Halloween started with a Celtic uh, festival called, it's called, it's pronounced, it's pronounced Samhain, but it's spelled like Samhain. So it's S-A-M-H-A-I-N but it's pronounced Sawin. 
So the truth is that this is a highly involved and complex history. But in essence, it contained, in Sawin, it was pagan worship that contained Druid worship and trick-or-treating. So back then, the children would go door-to-door, they'd sing songs, recite poems, tell jokes, they would perform tricks, and they would collect fruits, nuts, or coins as a treat. That was trick-or-treating. It was absolutely, let me make this very clear, absolutely a pagan festival. But that wasn't the start of Halloween. And this is where so many Christians go, oh, no, that's that, that's the start, that's the origin. That's what it is, and that's why we don't have any part in it. Because it's paganism. I like what Pastor Jack Hayford had to say. He is a well-respected theologian. He was a pastor for many decades. He wrote a great article addressing Halloween. And to be honest with you, the article is so great, I'm going to use a bunch of it in this message. Halloween means hallowed evening or hollow or holy evening. Its history reaches back over a thousand years when All Saints Day, which is tomorrow, was established to commemorate, listen, the faithful and the martyred who have gone before. People who have given their lives for the gospel. All Saints Day was a celebration of the heroes of the kingdom. Because it was a day that was acknowledged with fasting, it became a tradition to hollow the evening before. So uh, we think about, um, in the Catholic and Lutheran traditions, I believe, we think about like, Ash Wednesday. We think about Mardi Gras. They party. They're in uh, debauchery. I mean, eating, drinking before they start their fast. This is what eventually Halloween has become. Instead of holy commemoration, it became a time of indulgence. And so eventually this led to sending children to beg for more money for more indulgences. And then they would, a lot of times, uh, ask for money, ask for fruit, ask for candy. And then, a lot of times, they would play pranks on people. And then it evolved into a play-up of evil, witches, goblins, ghouls, and finally, the most sinister, satanic worship. Now, Halloween was at first harmless. It was to commemorate those who were martyred, to commemorate those who had gone before. But what began as a playful excursion has become an entrance into a dark world. How many know there is an obvious need for something redemptive to take place? There is an obvious need for something redeeming to take place. And I love what he says about this here. The church ought to take a role, not one of protest, but one of positive action. It seems at some point in history, Halloween got mixed up. The question is this, is this a holiday that can be redeemed? Is this a day that can be redeemed? Now, the truth is that no matter how you may feel about Halloween, and there's some people who are very, very much against it, and some people who are very much for it, and some people who don't care less. How many know that no matter how you feel about Halloween, When we bring the love of Jesus and the truth of the gospel into any situation, there's an opportunity for redemption. There's an opportunity for redemption. Pastor Hayford went on to say this. 
We are called to be a transforming influence, not a damning one. Within our evangelical tradition, there may be found a small but vocal group who see criticism as discernment and separatism as pursuing holiness. This manifests in the ecclesiastical as denominational separatism, now listen to this carefully, in the ethical as moral snobbishness, and in the cultural as sniping at traditions. Moral snobbishness, in case you aren't sure, is defined in this way. There is a tendency to become irritated at the present culture and fight back rather than to be a light and to reach out in love for this world at all times. Moral snobbishness poses a constant threat and temptation to being what Jesus has called us to be. Back in the day, we called them Pharisees. Now we would rightly call them Karens, right? I like what Hayford says. He says, none of us need to be boring to be godly. We don't need to be unhappy to be holy. We don't need to be boring to be godly. We don't need to be unhappy to be holy. The truth is that too many professing Christians are really just moral snobs with a religious stick that needs to be removed from a dark place. I could have said it a different way. Moral snobs within the church. How many know a moral snob? Come on. Really? How many, how many know a moral snob? Raise your hand. How many would raise your hand if you are that moral snob? Would that, would that be more hands would go up there? That's not good. Uh, boy, I just told you I got all to do a lot of things with a religious stick. Here's the thing. Rather than be a light, they protest in anger. The truth is that there are moral absolutes in the Bible. How many know that to be true? There are moral absolutes in the Bible. And to those things, we hold fast and tight. Amen? But whether or not you participate in Halloween isn't a black and white issue. It's really not. And there's some people right now with just in their minds, they're going, nope, this is wrong. Nope, this is wrong. Because Halloween as we know it is really a mixture of religious and pagan influences. So you know the other day that we, the other days that we celebrate that are a mixture of religious and pagan influences? Christmas and Easter. People that will say, no, you should never celebrate Halloween, not take any part in it, have no problem with setting up Christmas trees and giving out presents. Because the truth is that those acts are based in paganism. Well, what's paganism? Paganism, for the most part, is a worship of nature. It's worship of, of nature and the natural. And so there's different aspects to it, and there's really a whole convoluted thing we can get into. But for the most part, paganism is worshiping the natural. Giving gifts, you say, well, no, no, I mean, they gave gifts at Jesus' birth. That's why we do it. Sure, keep telling yourself that. Keep telling yourself that. It's not why. The Catholic Church came along. We wanted to redeem the day. And so they put it. They said, all right, let's make this the celebration of Christ. And we're going to have, there, there are some celebrations they already have, the Christmas tree and the, and the, and the, the gifts, and we'll, we'll take that on too. The fact is Christmas trees, for the most part, in American history are a new thing. In early American history, it was, the church said absolutely not because of paganism. 
But we do it now, today, freely. We have a Christmas tree in the church, and, and we look at it. And we go, man, it's beautiful. We look at it as, a, as something to celebrate, a season to celebrate, right? Now, we can become moral and religious snobs about these different days, and boy, you would sure look devout. But in what ways are you spreading the light of Jesus? You may look devout, but in what ways are you spreading the light? So, Pastor David, uh, there's people saying to me right now, I can tell, uh, they're telling me in their, in their heads right now. As a Christian, can we celebrate Halloween? And to that, I would say this. What are you celebrating? What are you really celebrating? Are you commemorating the Christian martyrs? For the most part, I would say Christians who celebrate Halloween are not commemorating Christian martyrs. All right? I mean, unless they're dressed up as a Bible character or something like that, they're like, maybe they are, depending on who the character is. How many, how many ever dressed up like Samson if you went to a, a, a church thing? Maybe dressed up as a Christian martyr there. That'd be interesting. Not a Christian martyr, but a martyr. You know. Are you commemorating Christian martyrs? Are you remembering those people who have gone before us? Or are you celebrating evil things? And that's the question. This is where the separation comes about. See, some people make Easter all about bunnies and eggs, right? Some people make Christmas all about Santa and elves and presents, but not about Jesus. Some people make Halloween all about candy and costumes instead of remembering those who paved the way for us and those who gave their all for Jesus. Now, for many of you, honestly, for many, you might be hearing this for the very first time, and you're asking, all right, Pastor David, what am I allowed to do? There's, I, I, I like this. There's some actually good suggestions here from Pastor Hayford. One, let the spirit of gratitude fill your heart in preparation for the season of Thanksgiving. Maybe for Halloween, you share stories in your family about how you came to know Jesus. You share stories of martyrs who have gone before. Two or three, make it a special day for the kids. We don't need to deny children fun to verify faith. Make it a fun day. Do a pumpkin carving. Go pick an apple. Go on a nature hike. Have fun. Take them on a well-chaperoned trip through the neighborhood, allowing kids to trick-or-treat as they prayed their, this is Bible outfits, but you all know how that goes. Consider advance notice. I like this. Consider advance notice to your neighbors so your kids can collect food for the hungry for Thanksgiving along with the candy. I like this. Let's stop cursing the darkness and light a candle. I mean, no, I think we can do both. Amen? This could be such a powerful time of celebrating the great things the Lord has done, victories that he has wrought, healings that have taken place in this past year. Let's start a crusade to redeem as much of Halloween as we can. Now, I'm a small, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big guy, but I'm a small-town Christian pastor who puts the message out to those who are here as well as those on YouTube. Those on YouTube might be families, I don't know, roughly around 20 to 30 people might watch it or 
families or whatnot, and that's fine. The reason I say all that is because my goal is not to redeem Halloween for everybody out in the world. There's a lot of people who go to different churches and they have, to, they have different pastors that are going to preach the way that they do. My goal is with the people that are under my voice to not say, yeah, it's a free-for-all. Go out and just do whatever we want with Halloween and celebrate evil and get into these things that are really dark and really troublesome in a Christian's lives, in a Christian's life. My goal as a pastor is to say, let's look at the history of Halloween. Let's look at the history of, of celebrating and remembering Christian martyrs and people who have given their life for, for, for the gospel. Let's look at, let's, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate them. If you want to get some candy and, and have a costume, that's fine. But as a Christian, is what you're doing a light in the darkness, or is it just inviting more darkness in? And that's where I have to say, However far you go with it, it's between you and the Lord. Because I, as your pastor, am not the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? And so I want to encourage you. Uh, think about this. Before you plan a Halloween party, pray about it. Where would the Lord lead you? Before you pick out that costume, Pray about it. You say, Pastor David, you really expect me to pray about it? I would love to walk into Walmart and just see people in the aisles just like holding hands in prayer. Like, what, what, what do we get? What do we get? Is it an Ewok this year or is it something different? Right? You say, Pastor David, I don't know if you're taking this Halloween stuff as seriously as you should. I think I'll take it biblically. I think I'll take it historically in context. I think we should look at it as Christians as an opportunity that we have to be a light in the darkness. This time of year, this day, where kids are coming to your door, knocking on your door, asking for you to give them something, why in the world would you just give them candy? Why wouldn't you give them candy and the gospel? Why wouldn't you give them a Snickers? Make it a big one. Don't skimp out. Don't get the mini ones. Why wouldn't you give them the Snickers and the gospel? And we think about these things and we go, well, that's probably a little bit more liberal than I would be. I want to look at it scripturally. I want to look at it in context. I want to look at it historically. And I want to look at it without hypocrisy. Because the truth is there's plenty of hypocrisy. Because, we'll, we'll, again, we'll go, oh, we won't touch anything with Halloween, but bring on the Christmas tree. I'm ready. Look at the history of Christmas and Easter. It can be problematic. It can be a slippery slope, which is why we have to have discernment about how far we go with it. How many know it's not about the, about the tree, it's not about the presence, it's about Jesus, right? Easter is not about the bunnies, it's not about the eggs, it's about Jesus. Halloween, I would say, is not about the costumes, it's not about the candy. It is about those who have given their life for Christ. So let's redeem it back to what it should be. 
I was listening to a pastor this week. I like to listen to specific pastors, and I like to listen to devotionals. And he wasn't preaching about Halloween at all, but man, the message still really resonated with me. And it concerned this scripture. Go to James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. It says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done, and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, listen to this, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, say from heaven, is at first all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. How many remember we had a teaching in Revelation that at some point in the future, Jesus will return to power and glory and will redeem this world in righteousness, right? The enemy and all who associate with him will then be in hell. So essentially, in Revelation, what we see is two cultures, one of heaven and righteousness and one of hell. And eventually, in the future, that's what it will be, one of righteousness and one of hell. But right now, we live in three cultures. We live... We have heaven above us, hell below us, and in between is our lives. It is the culture. What James is talking about here in chapter 3 is this life, is in the middle. Because that's where we are right now. There are some things that come up from hell, and there are some things that come down from heaven. How many know that some days you feel fantastic? Some days you are just too blessed to stress. Amen? You ever hear that before? Yeah, I know. That was, that was bad. I'm just too blessed to stress. Everybody rolled their eyes. How many know that some days you feel like you just, you, you got a taste of heaven? Man, just a little glimpse. Just, man, God has been so good. We, we had the service. It was anointed. The presence of God showed up. Man, I went home, had a great time with my family, enjoyed each other, laughter, tears of laughter. I mean, this is just a great, a great day, just a little slice of heaven, right? And then you know there's days when you experience hell. When you feel like eh, it's not heaven coming down, it is hell coming up. There's disorder in your life. You feel far away from the Lord. Everything is a trial. And for you, it feels like hell. In this life, in between our eternal destination we either live hell up or heaven down. We are either living hell up or heaven down. Bitterness, envy, selfish ambition, got to be honest with you, get ready for some hell. Peace, loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, get ready for some heaven. Last week we spoke about Jesus becoming the incarnation but his divinity taking on our humanity. Literally, heaven coming down. I love that. In just a few short months, we will celebrate together the incarnation. 
One pastor said this, the method of the redeemer is to see what is lost and seek to save it. To pour yourself into the form of the deformed. To recover the original image and purpose. That's what it is to be redeemed. For Jesus to pour himself into humanity. To recover the original image and purpose. The model of the Redeemer is transformation through incarnation. Rather than by elimination through damnation. The essence of redemption's mission is seen in Jesus the pioneer. Listen to this carefully. His narrow way is not a narrow-minded way. What the world should see in believers who are different from the world is a greater warmth of humanity, a greater understanding of why, for example, people would want to feast or give gifts or to enjoy the love that comes at a season like Christmas. In your life as a believer, are you showing a greater warmth? a greater love, a greater example of Christ. Jesus demonstrates true biblical separation, true biblical separation, a lifestyle that fully takes place in the world without becoming part of the world. How many know we wanna, we're in this world, but we don't wanna be of this world, right? If Jesus had been seen by somebody with a present day radio ministry, there's a good chance he would have gotten a tirade. He probably would have been canceled, right? Jesus was seen at such and such a place. He was seen in Samaria. Did you see the people that he was hanging out with? He was hanging out with, they called them publicans and sinners. Can you believe who Jesus was hanging out with? Can you believe that Jesus gave out candy? Now, oh, oh I think I just stepped on a toe. You know, the Pharisees criticized Jesus for being with the sinners. But the publicans and sinners were looking for somebody who came with the warmth of full, true humanity and offered something more than they were finding by reason of their blindness and darkness. Just like Jesus came into our darkness with his light, how many know we need to pull down some heaven in our lives and be a light to those around us? If you would go to the last slide. Can you turn off the lights there, uh, Joseph or Cindy? In case you can't see it. Some people would get really mad at this. Why would you have a pumpkin with a cross in it? Moral snobs would get pretty mad at this. You say, Pastor David, that offends me. I guess you'll have to be offended. Today, whether you hand out candy, whether you dress in costumes, or maybe you just spend time with your family. Whatever you may do, I pray that God would use you as a witness of his son. I pray that you are used by the Holy Spirit to bring heaven down into the lives of those who are going through hell. I pray that this next week you would help lead somebody to the redemption found in Jesus Christ. And remember those who gave their lives for the gospel. Amen? Stand with me this morning. I know I stepped on some toes. I know there's going to be some people afterwards that want to talk to me. Maybe say, hey, well, what about this and what about this? 
What about the history of this and what about this? And, and you know, separating light from darkness, should we have any part in it? I believe that we are called to inject the light of Jesus into darkness wherever we find it. I think biblically we are called to inject the light of Jesus into darkness wherever we find it. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity this morning to speak truth, to speak light. Lord, that we would be a light in the darkness in every situation in our lives. Lord, that whatever the day is, whatever the holiday is, whatever the history may be, that we don't celebrate the paganism, but we celebrate the holy. That we don't emphasize the earthly, but we emphasize the heavenly. Lord, that our focus would be on Jesus, that we would be a light in the darkness. Lord, let our light shine this morning. Let our light shine this week. We remember those who we've prayed over, those who need healing, those who need comfort. Lord, I pray over those who are here today, those who are watching online. I pray that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, we love you. Uh, This Wednesday, 6.30 p.m., The Chosen Season 2 starts. I hope you can join.